The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. Here's what's on tap tonight. Meta's monster breakout, the stock rocketing higher as the company announces a huge buyback in its first ever dividend. We'll go inside the numbers. Plus, Apple's China challenge, the tech giant's revenue growing for the first time in a year, but a slowdown in China raising eyebrows for investors. We're live in Cupertino. And later, Peloton hits the skids and touches its lowest close since going public. Gold shines as the mining stocks catch a bid, and an activist gets cracked on Etsy stock. I'm Melissa Lee coming to you live from Studio B at the NASDAQ on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feiderman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Well, we start off with a huge slate of big tech earnings, more than $5 trillion in market cap reporting in just the last hour. Kate Rooney is standing by on Amazon. Steve Kovac is dig- digging into Apple's numbers. But we start off with Julia Borston, who's diving deeper into Meta's quarter. Julia. Yeah, Melissa, Meta's shares are soaring after the company beat expectations across the board and reported its first ever dividend. We see shares are now up 14.5%. It's going to be paying a dividend of 50 cents um, a quarter in addition to uh, increasing its share buyback. Now, the company is accelerating revenue growth to 25%, and it has continued user growth, even adding 2 million users in the saturated U.S. and Canada market, guiding to first quarter revenue in a range ahead of expectations. Also saying that Reels is now contributing to net revenue across Meta's apps. CEO Mark Zuckerberg saying on the earnings call that this all shows the company's investment in AI paying off, saying they will continue to invest both in AI and the metaverse. Now, one weak point here, perhaps the only weak point, was Meta's Reality Labs division had larger than expected losses of $4.6 billion. This even as the division's revenue topped $1 billion for the first time. But Zuckerberg saying that they will continue to invest heavily in both AI and the metaverse and that the Quest 3 is off to a strong start, as are their Ray-Ban Meta glasses. He predicts that people will want new categories of devices to engage with AI, saying that smart glasses will be what he calls a compelling form factor for this combo of AI and the metaverse and, and how the two are connected. And we also just got some interesting details from Meta's CFO just moments ago. She said they will no longer report daily and monthly active users, but instead will begin reporting year-over-year changes in ad impressions and also the average price per ad at the regional level while continuing to report family daily active people. Now, after last year's year of efficiency, the company doesn't have a new tagline for this year, but they did reiterate their expense guidance uh, in the range of $94 billion to $99 billion. And haven't heard much on that dividend yet, but we're continuing to listen. Melissa? Yep. Julia, thank you. Julia Borson, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, had a sigh of relief when they reiterated that CapEx guidance for 2004. What do you make of this dividend? Because 
Hmm. On the one hand, you know, you theoretically like the dividend, but on the other hand, does that signal anything about how they think their prospects for growth are? Well, I first thought that, right, Mm -hmm. that now they're sort of a mature company and into a different phase. A $2 dividend, if it's this 50-cent run rate a quarter, is really insignificant to the stock. Um, I don't know why they would do it, except maybe that... Are there any kind of indices that need to be a dividend pay, need the company to be a dividend payer to be able to be included in them? That might be one reason. I'm pretty surprised, although I, it's a little bit of noise. To me, the buyback, which had $30 billion left, if I read it right, this was a $50 billion increase on top of that $30 billion. So if someone saw that and that's wrong and it's just 50 billion, please let me know. But um, so that was very big to me. But the numbers themselves were just on almost every metric, like a reacceleration that was I mean, the strength of it is pretty surprising. This dividend dynamic to me, I think it's kind of their Apple moment. And, and I think of the re-rating that Apple got. And I realize the Apple re-rating was also about services. But the ability of Apple to be a company that continues on the capital market side to give people reason to own it longer term. We're talking about a stock in Meta that doesn't trade like a growth company, right? I mean, it, it, yes and no. And so uh, of all these mega cap tech stocks, it's got the lowest multiple. It's the company that if they are giving a, uh, a dynamic around buybacks and dividends, I, I just think this is going to be very important. I think it's, it's, it's part of that year of efficiency. It's part of that. This doesn't scare this guy about the growth story that I think. I mean, look at their advertising revenue. It was up 24 percent. Very, very solid. The ability of this company to at least be now spending in areas that they think are the right ones. And I think they're going to get rewarded for that. So I think the dividend was as big as anything. And I think that's part of the reason for the response. Are we going to look back on this quarter and think that was the quarter where we did re-rate Meta because of all these things that these guys said, but also AI. And this is what Brad Gerstner told us in Miami. Uh, now, not only is AI, you know, a good thing for its users, but it's also obviously something that they're using to their own benefit, in this case, in more effective ad targeting, which we've seen in these results. Yeah, and I would say this is the quarter where they probably got, um, uh, you know, appreciated for that mm-hmm. focus that they've had. And, you know, I've heard Brad on Scott's show over the last year talking very specifically like everyone was focused on NVIDIA as the largest beneficiary of this move into AI. Brad has been talking about monetization, right? And I think that's that's what you're talking about, Karen, and what they were able to demonstrate right here. But then if you have that re-rating right now, like that kind of gets into the stock um, a little bit. I do think it's interesting that they're changing the reporting. We've been mm-hmm. talking about monthly and daily active users since the company went public in 2012, and that's been a key metric. Right now, what they're talking about, if they're going to start, it, it speaks to what Brad's been talking about. It's about why he, I think, has such a concentrated position, was so bullish the other day when I think I was fading it, the, the bullishness. I just, the idea of buying that stock after where it was in 2021, where it got to in 2022, where it got all the way back to now at a trillion dollars in market cap. The fact that it is up $150 billion in market cap right now in the aftermarket based on that, again, you know, like I, I, I don't see it, but I wouldn't be buying it here. But I get why folks can now start to think about this as a longer term trend. And if the metaverse ever does work, then you have multiple, you have this barbell approach because those things do find an intersection at some point when the technology is there. And that also speaks to Oculus. It speaks to those Ray-Ban glasses. It speaks to wearables, Guy. And I know you have all of them. I love the wearables. At my age, you, you need <laughs> yeah, them. I'm just yeah. saying. No, I mean, listen, I, people that are along the stock have to make the decision tomorrow. On this gap higher, what do you do? Do you stay with it and let it ride, understanding you can see a pullback, or is this the time to pull the ripcord? But, you know, free cash flow, that's, you know, that's a Tim Seymour thing, up 28%. I mean, look at year-over-year growth in terms of revenue, 24.5%. And ARPU, Tim? 
Hmm. Average revenue per user um, from Timmy Cashflow. You know, it's up from 12.8. So everything is really good outside of obviously, you know, Reality Labs, which I think everybody knew is a disaster. The question is, on a big volume day tomorrow, on a gap like this, what are people that own the stock going to do? The financial might be do nothing, let it ride. Some other people might say, you know what, this is a good opportunity to get out for Let's quickly ask some people who own the stock, Karen. Yeah. Um, I think I'll probably look to sell some calls against it. Um, You know, if I own none, that's the question, right? right? If I own none, would I buy some tomorrow? Yes, I would have some. If I own none. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I like that call. And, and I, I'd like to sell them farther out because I think you have some opportunity. Everybody believes eventually these things go a whole lot higher. I will also say that Facebook is now 20% through that September 21 high. So they're now slightly ahead of Microsoft, which really has pushed fresh highs in this last run. We're waiting for, we're waiting for Amazon to do it. We're waiting for a couple others. And remember when we had Carter on, I think, late last week. Uh, the, the, the argument is, do you follow some of these mega cap tech stocks that haven't made new highs in this run higher? And I think the answer is yes. And I think Amazon, who we're about to talk about, is part of that reason. Yeah, let's get to Amazon here. Um, it is jumping following a beat in the top and the bottom lines. The company pa- uh, passing Alphabet in market cap after hours. Kate Rooney joins us with the very latest on this quarter. Kate. Hey, Melissa. Yes, it was a beat across the board for Amazon. The quarter was really driven by strong holiday shopping and cloud strength. Guidance was also in line. Amazon met expectations on its all-important cloud business, AWS, grew 13% year-over-year, which is exactly what the street was looking for. It was up from 12% last quarter. So growth re-accelerating there. Amazon notched its highest quarterly operating income ever. Operating margins were 7.8%. That was up from less than 2% about a year ago, but it was pretty much flat sequentially. For North America, margins almost doubled, coming in at 4.2%. Margins were negative there a year ago. So costs are improving here for Amazon. Advertising revenue was strong, growing 26%, bringing in close to $15 billion. Then North America and international revenue both came in stronger than expected for Amazon. CFO Brian Olsotsky saying just now in the media call that we expect AWS acceleration to continue into 2024 on AI. He says, quote, we have seen significant interest from our customers wanting to run generative AI applications, build large language models and foundation models with privacy reliability and security of AWS. He wouldn't say exactly what it meant for revenue, but said there's interest. And then costs were a big discussion on that media call. He said, we continue to be careful about what we invest in, and they're trying to do more with less, as he put it. Amazon should also mention announced a generative AI shopping assistant called Rufus this afternoon ahead of earnings. Mel, back to you. Sounds like a dog, but, uh, you know, (laughs) we'll try it, I guess. Kate, thanks. Kate Rooney. So it did exactly what it had to do in terms of reacceleration of AWS growth. Um, and it's amazing to think the ad business is this big at this yeah. point. Yeah, and that's manifesting itself. And again, we talk about operating margins, 7.8%. And I think the street was low sixes or so and up from like 1.8 a year ago. So good for them. Now, what does it set it up for? It sets it up for that, I think, the 2021 high, I think, in August of that year. July was about 183-ish. I mean, a quarter like this, given what we're seeing from these other names, should get you about right there. So just one sort of read through on that. If you look at NVIDIA's up $10 in the aftermarket, just on the, you know, the AI buzz. And I think tomorrow we're just going to see a race for analysts to who can be the most bullish on, on NVIDIA, on NVIDIA, on Amazon, on, on cloud, on uh, meta, on everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, as far as AWS, like 
Reacceleration, 12.5% to 13%. They've obviously been losing some market share. They are the market share uh, leader. Advertising, you love that. I do love that. And I, that, that's the one thing I, I, I really liked about this story. And everything that you said about the greater monetization on the meta side, okay, and how they're using generative AI tools, right, to, to get that better monetization, that will apply to Amazon on a business that is growing really fast and has become an absolute behemoth. And ultimately, this will also be a story for Apple at some point. They don't have the tools yet in place, but, uh, you know, advertising is becoming a big business for them. I know we're going to talk about uh, Apple, but it's not going to be a story right now. So Amazon, again, is going, I think it was 188 guy. I mean, if it's the only one of the Mag 7 that has not gotten back to its all-time highs, it's going there. I mean, so I don't know. Did you chase it here? Have at it, people. Have at it, which means no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so there's some elements in here and in, in some of the guy that, that indicates some, some bit of a moderating op margin. And I do think, Dan's right to not, I don't think we're doing cartwheels here. I think maybe to, uh, on a 13% growth in AWS, but it does tell you how far this stock has come in terms of understanding uh, some of the value and maybe some of the value that wasn't given to its core uh, retail e-commerce business and some of the other pieces of the puzzle in terms, in terms of advertising, because uh, 13% growth would have been a disaster for this company in terms of the stock price two years ago. So it's nice to see the increase here. It's nice to see the dynamics. I do think it's going to hit those all-time highs. Uh, I do think it's a case where this was just good enough on a day when, yeah, I think the rest of big cap tech is, is helping pull the whole thing forward. It is also nice to hear that Amazon is very conscientious when it comes to costs and spending. That has always been the issue with Amazon. A lot of analysts thought that that they would be in harvest mode, but we have it actually stated by the company that they are going to be mindful. They are going to try and do more with less. So it will continue here. No question. Listen, and I think that's why you could probably, with those margins and those comments you just made, which is why you can sort of justify evaluation, it sort of gets rich at these levels. But, you know, that's been a concern before, founded, concern other times, unfounded, probably one of the reasons why it'll be unfounded this time and move to those levels Jim just talked about. Is it irritating? Is it understandable that Alphabet has gotten so penalized on the back of its earnings? Um, tonight. It's understandable. I mean, their growth actually in cloud was not bad, yeah. right? And, but their cloud business is significantly Smaller. smaller than AWS, right? So it was $9 billion versus, you know, much higher for... Uh, it is a little frustrating because they, they, you know, when you hear about the strength of meta on AI, right, you would think there should be more flow through to Alphabet. I, I guess you want to broaden it out a little bit. I mean, so, you know, there was a lot of pessimism, you know, just into this earnings period out of my mouth. I mean, when you think about just the like the level of excitement where the stocks were trading, where they had basically come off of their lows just in January. And you say, well, how do you get above the bar? You know, I mean, at that point, just based on the price of the stock. So I say to myself, you know, on the NDX and NASDAQ 100 is at a, a new all time high. These companies, you know, the ones that were able to demonstrate the reason why they ran into their prints. But what do you do? I mean, like, it's, you know, we're one month into the year here. We had this exceptional year last year. We know that these top five or six names have been dominating both of the major indices. And so I guess the better the results are, the more people pie into it, the more acute that concentration becomes, and, and the more risk there is to a broader problem across the market. Because I don't know about you guys, some of the earnings that we saw outside of mega cap tech this week weren't particularly great. And right. there was a regional banking issue. And there was, all, you know. But I, maybe I, that's why these stocks should trade at a premium. People should pile in. Maybe that's the flip side of this argument. And we're seeing Q's in the after hours up 1% on the back of these amazing results. They delivered. Why shouldn't the market run to these names when the rest of the market looks sort of crappy? Well, particularly Meta, which was not in a super inflated, right? right. Netflix, very expensive, but they delivered. One thing also, it's worth noting that the 10 year has gone from 420, mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know, 10 days ago to three high 380s now. 
that's a that's a nice move for a high multiple stock. I, I also think that positioning on this for the hedge fund community is different than the retail community. I actually think there are shorts here, and I think this could actually lead to a little more squeezy time. I also think that there are a lot of people uh, that are feeling this FOMO of the cash they have on the sidelines. It's great to get clip a four and a half percent coupon at Treasuries, but when you see the market running like this, and a lot of people thought they were a lot smarter than the market in the fourth quarter, and they missed a big run. Um, let's get to Apple. We can't forget about Apple dropping after its report weakness in China outweighing. Uh, the top and bottom line beats. Steve Kovac joins us now with the very latest. Steve. Yeah, Mel. So the headline here is Apple showing growth for the first time in a year. There's, of course, four straight quarters in a row of declining sales. This time, revenues came in at $119.58 billion. That's about 2% revenue growth. Now, there's a shorter, uh, there's a week less this quarter rather than a year ago and some other funky things comparing. But I would also note that those expectations uh, for revenue came way down uh, from where they were at $123 billion uh, back on, in November of last year. Uh, still a beat there, also a beat on the bottom line iPhone revenues also look pretty good. There's some other numbers in here to talk about. Um, 69.7 billion, that is, uh, was also a beat. And services, a new record there, uh, showing reaccelerating growth again, up 11% to 23.1 billion. But look, China, that is what's really dragging things down here. Uh, the sales in the greater China segment down 13% year-on-year to $20.82 billion. Um, And then the uh, earnings call is just getting started, uh, Mel, but I do want to say one AI headline already coming out from CEO Tim Cook. Uh, He just said on the call that um, they're spending a tremendous, this is his words, tremendous amount of time and effort on artificial intelligence and plans to have some kind of announcement later this year. This is me talking now. If I had to guess, that would be the WWDC event uh, in June where they talk about software. So teasing a big AI announcement there. Um, I also did get a chance to catch up with Tim Cook about these results in particular, asked of what happened in China and why sales were down so significantly there versus a year ago, especially as that country was largely shut down in the December quarter uh, due to COVID. Uh, Here's what he told me on China, largely blaming foreign exchange here, saying, quote, The dollar is very strong versus the RMB, and so that negative 13 goes to a mid-single-digit number. So that's how we did on the phone last quarter. The good news is that we're four out of the top six top-selling smartphones in urban China. I will also note he's citing some data there that shows Huawei actually uh, took share in that same report he's talking about there. So still top uh, losing some market share to the Android competitors over there, but still very strong in China, according to Cook. Also saying there's a record level of iPhone installs in China, which is obviously a big opportunity for services. Um, I also asked uh, Tim Cook about the uh, Apple Watch ban, that O2 sensor that causes them now to sell the Apple Watch without the O2 sensor enabled to that patent dispute uh, with the health tech company Mossimo. Specifically asked him, would you be willing to pay some sort of licensing fee Uh, But uh, Cook's position right now is basically, I'll tell you what he said, quote, we're focused on appeal and there's lots of reasons to buy the watch even without the blood oxygen sensor. So basically saying we're going to go through the legal process here. Uh, Don't want to get into some kind of licensing fee uh, agreement quite yet, but does believe people still want to buy the watch without that O2 sensor, Mel. All right, Steve, thanks. Steve Kovac. So no AI pixie dust for Apple, even though Tim Cook himself teases some sort of big announcement to come later this year. 
I, I think these numbers were pretty solid, and, and the, they, they were solid in the places that they needed to be. Obviously, the, the reacceleration in iPhone sales, MacBooks were, were also better, and the services business was kind of in line, but, but the gross margin at 45.9 is better, and they talked about the profitability, and it's interesting to see where some of the profit margins are with different products. They seem to be moving around. We knew China was weak, right? I mean, I... Maybe, obviously, it's been a, a huge and important growth market. And on a day like today, you don't hear at all about the growth in India and all the places that they're looking to find that growth. But um, as someone that hasn't been terribly bullish about Apple, um, these numbers were fine. And, and I actually think give you a reason to, to, to kind of breathe a sigh of relief. I thought they were kind of eh, really. I mean, of the group, right? right. I thought that... Uh, I'm not buying the currency thing. Everybody knows each day where the currency is. So to sort of. <laughs> if that currency crust was as bad as he was saying, we'd be talking about that for other reasons like capital and flight in China. Yeah, yes, they can't be the only one. So I didn't really love that. I think that, you know, the services miss is a little bit of a problem since when you think about the multiple, if you take out the hardware, which is a much lower multiple, of course, it leaves that higher services multiple. Should it get that if it's a little slower than we thought? Tim Cook sounds like a Met fan, you know, with the top four out of six. I mean, <laughs> right. really? Four out of six in urban China. So he's although although, although, how, although Tim Cook's team has been to the World Series more yeah. recently than the Yankees. Fair enough. But with that just, said, that's not something you really want to plant a stake in the ground. Out. Here's what, listen, revenue beats, so I want to be careful here, but service revenues as a percentage now is below 20%. I think that top tick, what, close to 25% or so? So the reason they got the premium multiple was because of the service revenues as a percentage of overall. If that's going the wrong way now, that's something you have to watch in terms of should you be paying for this stock the multiple you're paying right now. Yeah, that being said, that 45.87% gross margin is the highest gross margin this company has ever had. And so if Tim Cook, who does not, they do not tell you what they're going to do, just said we are, you know, between the lines, there's going to be some generative AI thing and it's going to be built around services. And we know that this Vision Pro at $3,500, this is not something that's going to be mass market, but it's a bit of an entree how they see spatial computing, and we know our friend Gene Munster, who comes on a whole heck of a lot. This is what excites him long-term about this story. You start seeing a hardware ecosystem that is just run-of-the-mill, the stuff that we use every day, and then there's going to be all this other stuff that we're clipping on us or this and that or whatever that is going to be part of that services ecosystem that's going to be a much higher margin that's going to draw right this, this reacceleration of growth. So to me, I think that I'd love to see Apple get killed on China concerns, on Huawei concerns on some of this sort of stuff, because you're going to have a great opportunity at some point in the not so distant future to play a generative AI move like you've seen in a half a dozen other stocks. You sound bullish. Yeah, you, yeah, you sound, sound bullish in Apple. Sound. And again, I, I, guys, I thought these numbers were like okay. Don't do me, just, <laughs> don't do me like that. Constructive. Okay. Great Tom Petty yes. song. Really quickly, a, a number that I don't spend a ton of time looking at in Apple, but the fact that devices outstanding is $2.2 billion over up from $2 billion a year ago. I mean, a growth of 10% devices for a hardware company that we're saying is just a hardware company is something. And it gets back to that whole point that we say that it's hardware as a service. And, and they, they grew total devices on a massive base, 10%, year over year with higher product margins and ASPs. So, again, I, I think that's pretty bullish. Coming up, we will be monitoring all the After Hours action, bringing the very latest from the company conference calls. Fast Money friend Gene Munster is listening in. He'll bring us all the headlines. But first, a trio of big stock moves today. Peloton plunges, gold miners shine, and one of our traders is scooping up Etsy after the name got some activist attention. How to trade these moves when Fast Money returns. What does it mean to be rich? 
Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are diving into a couple of the biggest movers in today's session, starting with Etsy shares rising 9% after announcing Elliott Management's Mark Steinberg would join the company's board. It was the stock's best day since July. The activist investor has reportedly built a 13% stake in the company, whose shares have been nearly cut in half in the past year. Karen, you like this. I did like this, although I, I own some from higher, so I didn't love that. But I like this, and I bought some more today on the heels of this announcement. I love Elliott. I love, you know, they've done similar kinds of things in eBay. If you remember, they took a stake there, made some changes, ended up selling a spare bit higher. Pinterest, we saw that. Uh, I like there's on the board. I think we're going to see a 13D. I would think we would see very soon, maybe as early as today or tomorrow. Uh, I want to see where they bought the stock. I'm sort of curious about that, uh, if they, what kind of discussions they've had with the company. So um, I like it, and I love the asset light model that they have. Right. Uh, let's get to Peloton here. The stock posting its lowest ever close after the company gave a disappointing forecast for the current quarter. The connected bike maker says sales will come in lower than expectations and that it'll lose between 20 and 30 million dollars compared to estimates of just a two million dollar loss. Wow. How far the stock has fallen, Guy. Yeah, we're going to have Gene on. He tweeted earlier that Apple should buy Peloton and it's not nearly as horrific as the market cap suggests. So we'll talk to him about that. But this has got, you would think, just sort of on a binary play, given the move we've seen today. This is actually an interesting risk-reward. Fortunately for Tim, mm-hmm. it wasn't the P in his bicep. He went back and forth. But now's maybe not a bad time to, if you can take your current P and, and supplant it. it for this Except for I was the only one that played the acronym game no, by no, the rules. Not I would true. never do that. You're not the only one. One of the few. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we, we started this conversation when Gene was on a few weeks ago. Um, this is like his hot prediction for, for yeah, 24. And, and you remember I started saying I obviously work out a lot. And, and I really <laughs> enjoy my Peloton. But when I think about this as a $3 billion enterprise value for a company that's expected to maybe do $3 billion in sales, I'm looking at their margins. They look like Apple's margins. Okay, so think about this. And to Gene's point about Apple buying them or a Google for the data or a connected. I have my YouTube TV now on my Peloton. Mm. I think that's pretty dope, as the kids say, uh, Mel. But I just think that like this is a very cheap asset that has um, a lot of consumers that really love this product. All right. Coming up, stocks climbing ahead of tomorrow's jobs report, recouping some of yesterday's losses. What could tomorrow's data do to markets? That's next. And as you head to break, take a look at the big tech stocks on the move on the back of earnings. <laughs> Meta still holding on to that 14 percent gain. Amazon is up 8 percent. Apple is pairing its losses down by just about eight tenths of a percent. And the queues are on the move in the after hours on the back of these results. We're looking at a more than one percent climb after hours in the Investco QQQ Trust. Fast Money. Be right back. 
What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. A rebound on Wall Street with major indices closing at their highs of the day. The Nasdaq and S&P 500 snapping a two-day losing streak, both gaining more than 1% today. The Dow jumping about 370 points, locking in a fresh record close. The blue chip index on track for its best week since before Christmas. Meantime, the 10-year Treasury yield falling to its lowest level in almost two months. The action coming a day before the jobs report. How could this affect the market's next move? And of course, we had said the markets look like they're going to open higher on the back of some of these big tech results. What do you think on jobs? I don't know. I mean, if you get a, if unemployment starts ticking higher, I mean, again, anecdotally, UPS laying people off six months after they announced that contract that's going to average worker at 170000 over the next five years. So you're going to see more of that, I think. It's not manifesting in the numbers, which I guess is a good thing for the overall economy. But if it starts to tick up at 3.8 in yields, which is probably pricing that in, I don't know, maybe bad news on the job front is potentially bad news in the market. I, I tell you, for a market that's doing this, uh, I realize, uh, you know, whatever whistling past your graveyard cliche you want to use, but bad news is bad news. And I, I, there's been no sense to me in the data that we've had. And even if you think about uh, the ADP numbers and some of the, the kind of the job switching numbers and some of those indices that show that the job market is definitely cooling, but it's not a disaster. And there's nothing about, and I know fourth quarter GDP is not coincident. There's nothing leading there. Um, but I don't like what the bond market's doing here. And, and again, given the Treasury funding dynamics, they've had so, that's had something to do. There's been a bit of a relief on that over the last couple of days in terms of looking at the bond market. But I don't think there's anything good. It's back to, you know, mega cap tech stocks. This is a great, great place to be in an eh, economy. I think uh, a little bit cool is not bad news. It's just a little bit cool, right? And then we did see productivity gains. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe that's part of it as well. I don't know what I don't know if the market's going to care tomorrow right. about unless it's wildly outside of the band. It's funny. You mentioned the productivity games and, and Fed Chair Powell highlighted that. But then he kind of poo pooed it in, in, in the Q&A um, a little bit. And I just think it's one of those situations where I, I think Tim is correct. I know Guy has been saying this, too, like this precipitous drop in yields, like like in the face of what Fed Chair Powell just said yesterday. Was it the regional banking thing? Was it this uh, funding? I, I don't know. But when we can't figure some of those sorts of things out, it does like there are potential for, you know, some sort of of like accidents to happen, especially when you think about the equity market, how concentrated it is and how universally people feel about a handful of stocks that are 30 percent of the S&P 500 weight and 50 percent of the Nasdaq 100 weight. Um, we do want to alert you to Apple because uh, we are heading back down to after our session lows. It's down about 3 percent right now. We'll keep you posted on anything we hear from that conference call. Meantime, we do want to get to a regional shares of New York Community Bancorp falling for a second day after posting its worst drop ever post earnings yesterday. Many other regional banks falling in sympathy, and the chartmaster has been bearish in the space for a while. Uh, he made a call to sell the KRE back in mid-December, joins us now for more and maybe an update on this. Carter. Yeah, messy. Uh, certainly not the uh, happy times that we're seeing in large cap uh, tech. Uh, the issue, of course, is this is news related specific to one stock now, which has then taken down the aggregation uh, KRE. But let's look at the charts and try to figure it out together. 
Um, so when we were in mid-December, at that point from the October low, the carry was up 45%. The October low S&P to mid-December 15. So having tripled the performance of the general market, uh, it was overdone. Now in turn, we've given some of that back. My hunch is that even as we dip to the 150 day moving average, we will be at a buy juncture. As to the sort of the culprit NYCB, the first thing to point out, it's very important. Where did it plunge to? It went precisely to its April lows at the point at which all regional banks were in free fall. And that is such a testament to technicals, not my technicals, but technicals. It's not a price to book that it stopped today there. It's not enterprise value EBITDA. It's not price to tangible book or PE. It's because sometimes key levels matter. Uh, my hunch from here is that it'll still just go lower. Look at the last chart. It's a long-term chart. I mean, this stock peaked remarkably in Q1 of 04. That's 20 years ago. Uh, at $36. It's been not working ever since. What would make it work now? Stay away. All right, Carter, thank you. Carter Braxton yep. Worth of Worth Charting. Some people today, you know, they've they've examined things, they've looked at the company's conference call, et cetera. They say that maybe this is idiosyncratic. We sort of said that yesterday, that maybe there's a part of that. But if that's the case, do you buy the regional bank index? Why? I, I don't know why you would. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I know yesterday you brought up, because it was a Jeffrey's note I was looking at that said these are idiosyncratic yeah. too. To, but, but commercial real estate's not idiosyncratic. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's a lagging indicator. In other words, it's just starting to show some signs. It doesn't mean they're all going through this and there are different regions. And this bank is also under the bright spotlight of regs. So a um, bit of both. Barry Stern, like you heard him, $3 trillion commercial, right? Commercial loan market, $1.3 trillion he thinks could default. I mean, that's pretty significant stuff. Coming up, we are diving back into tonight's big tech earnings. We'll bring in Gene Munster, who has been listening into the conference calls. He'll get us all the details next. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Let's get another check on tonight's big tech earnings. Fast Money friend Gene Munster has been listening into the conference call, has the key takeaways so far. We're just getting some suggestion, Gene, that sales will be weaker than expected for Apple. We did see the stock take a leg lower here. What did you hear? Uh, Melissa, I heard you got to be uh, really astute to how Luca gives this guidance. But basically, it implies that the street was a couple percent too high for the March quarter. And effectively, what's going on is there's this 13 to 14 weeks. I don't know if you remember that whole this whole conversation about there is 13 weeks this year versus 14 last year. And, and uh, analysts had expected that uh, the growth rate should naturally accelerate in the March quarter, given our comp, our comparisons are 13 to 13 for this March quarter. And in fact, they're saying expect similar types of growth rates. And so when you kind of put all that together, uh, that was the output is that there's going to be some tweaks down in estimates. In terms of like the pace of the business, it probably slowed a little bit at December because back on November 11th, the business was growing at like a 7% clip on a week over week basis, Lucas said. So I think analysts are kind of investors are kind of filling in that gap. Uh, Luca also mentioned a negative impact of 2% from FX. And so whenever you kind of uh, stir all this together and you talk about uh, growth rates that are below the street, I think that that is what caused shares to drop in the after hours. Um, Meta and Amazon, Gene, were they as good as the stock pops are showing? 
Meta, absolutely. Um, what really impressed me about Meta was their DAU growth. They're going to stop giving that number. DAUs grew 6%. This is 2.1 billion people. There's 8 billion people in the world. This is a quarter of the world's population. Uh, it grew at 5% in the previous two quarters. It was growing at a couple percent per year during the uh, before the pandemic. This is testimony to how addictive uh, Meta's products are, and they are not even beginning to use a benefit from AI increasing engagement even further. And so investors see this guidance up 9% higher than where the street was for December and starting to fill in the blanks and saying, there's probably, uh, you probably got to just not only update uh, the March numbers by 9%, but probably the full year by that 10% range. As far as Amazon's concerned, AWS, I was, I'm really surprised at how that stock is reacting up 8%. Uh, my sense is that this was all about AWS. It, it did mm -hmm. accelerate from 125 to 13%, still well below Google Cloud at 26 and Azure at 30% growth. Uh, the other two cloud platforms accelerated by much more, 100 to 320 basis points. And we had a 50 basis points acceleration from AWS. And so um, I think that that piece, uh, pieces uh, uh, that one surprised me a little bit. I do want to sneak one more piece in uh, that I would be remiss if I didn't mention on Apple. It's being overshadowed by what is being said relative to the guidance. But Tim Cook said the magic letters for the first time, AI, and said it's going to be having a profound impact on their business. He said there's a product announcement coming later this year. I believe that's a foundation model. And uh, the stock's not showing it today, but I would officially welcome Apple to the generative AI freight train. What does foundation model mean, Gene? Those are the, that's like ChatGPT or okay. Anthropic or Gemini. Those are like the core engines that are driving these generative AI experiences. Okay. Apple's gonna come out with one, it sounds like. Uh, that's gonna really change how we use Siri, make it more conversational, and ultimately, I think, give Apple an opportunity to provide something that no other company can do because of Apple's position on privacy, which is create this personalized AI. I think it's a big deal. I think people are gonna love it. and. Uh, I'm, I'm anticipating this will be announced at WWDC in June. All right, Gene, thanks. We're going to let you go here. Keep us posted on anything else you hear. Gene Munster, um, we do want to bring you some news on Intel, which is causing the stock to move lower in the after-hour session by just about a percent right now. Um, Dow Jones is reporting that Intel is going to be delaying a $20 billion Ohio project. It's citing a slow chip market. So um, it had initially anticipated that chip making would start next year at this site. Uh, but now it, they say that, you know, the facilities will not likely be finished until late 2026. So that really pushes that time frame out. Go to you, the shareholder. Well, I, I don't, you know, it's not great news. Yeah. I'm not sure anyone was pricing in that plant to be a, a difference maker. So um, can I ask one? Are we, we, yeah. Well, my question back to, you know, Gene was talking about the AI thing. Mm -hmm. and, and so here's a big, big thought um, out of a small brain. We'll, we'll um, be the judge of that. Yeah, be careful now. No, but if, if everyone is now be into AI with the same size pie, why are we paying more for all of these companies? In other words, nothing has really changed. I mean, I get that if every company now says it's our time for AI and the size of the pie, whatever pie you're talking about, it's the same pie. It's the same consumer. It's the same corporate spend. It's the same enterprise. But anyway. is the pie that big? Right. And so this is still a nascent story. And so it's enough for all of them to gain still and not for that competition 
sort of to really kick in. I guess. Is it is it them gaining against each other? Um, right. But again, you know, we're, we're talking about companies that all in some way are going to be using AI to change how they appeal or, to consumers. Or gaining people like me and, and maybe Karen and maybe, you know, other people on this list who have Apple devices and who are not using AI services right now, aside from not what is from offered. Apple. Right. right. Not that I you're do. paying for. Right. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Why are you smirking <laughs> over there? No, I just, I'm, I'm always... I'm, I'm listening. A slow chip market? Is that, did I That's hear? That's what they said. It's a slow, citing slow chip market. There's not the right in, kinds of in, chips. Exactly. I mean, that's Intel's story in a nutshell. But we have been, t- mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they live in an alternate universe. But there is a price, and we had this conversation, they reported. Mm-hmm. 38-ish, I think that's a level where if it gets down there, you buy it with both hands. Coming up, it's not just big tech reporting after the bell. Shoe companies, Deckers and Skechers, moving in very different directions after their results. The headlines from those quarters next. We're back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Deckers Outdoor and Skechers, both with big moves after hours. Kate Rogers is here to take us inside the numbers. Hey, Kate. Hey, Melissa. Well, Skechers is off some of its lows. It was down as much as 13%. The company did have an EPS beat, but revenues a miss for the quarter coming in at $1.96 billion versus estimates of $2.04 billion. The stock, as we mentioned, tanking as the company lowered its full-year revenue guidance. Revenues now expected uh, to be between $8.6 and $8.8 billion. That's lower than the $8.9 billion initially projected. It also lowered its EPS guidance as well. But one bright spot, direct-to-consumer sales increased more than 20% for the quarter to 168.7 million. Moving on to Decker's Outdoor, that stock moving in the opposite direction up by more than 5%. EPS and revenues both a beat. Hoka brand sales were its leader in terms of sales increases with a 21.9% jump to 429.3 million for the quarter. But the company's UGG brand did remain its top seller. It also announced some executive changes here. Dave Powers has decided to retire as president and CEO effective August 1st of 2024. It's chief commercial officer Stefano Carodi will become president and CEO in August once that transition takes place. Back over to you. All right, Kate. Thank you, Kate Rogers. I feel like it was just yesterday when we were talking about Skechers pickleball shoes. Mm. Yeah. I, I guess they didn't sell enough of those or the kinds of shoes that you slip you on. You don't have to bend down and tie the laces. Can I suggest? Yes. That, but you will ask another the, a would you rather. OK. A would you rather for guy. All right. Oh, <laughs> Skechers, pickleball shoes or just a nice pair of fluffy Uggs with fur in them. Or Crocs. And I got to wear one. You got to wear one. Well, what are you going to do? That is the stock what, story. This segment. Yeah. What are you going to do? And maybe with a pair of shorts. I wouldn't wear Uggs on a bet and those <laughs> Crocs things. So I got to go with, I mean, just by process of elimination. By the way, Skechers is stock. I mean, we can laugh all we want. It made an all-time high the other day. And, you know, although people are they're selling off, I get it. But if you look, inventories are down, I think, 14.5% year-over-year, or 159 against year-over-year sales growth of about almost 4.5%. I'm telling you, the operating margins that they didn't get this quarter, they might get next quarter on the back of this inventory. All right. Uh, we are getting some more color of, uh, out of Amazon's conference call. Let's get back to Kate Rooney with more. Kate. Hey, Melissa. So CEO Andy Jassy is getting into the generative AI conversation. He didn't give an exact number, but he did say it could add tens of billions of dollars in revenue for Amazon over the next couple of years here. He said 2023 was a significant year of delivering 
customer trials for generative AI. Specifically, though, on this quote from Andy Jassy, he says, Gen AI will continue to be an area of pervasive focus and investment across Amazon primarily, he says, because there are a few initiatives, if any, that give us the chance to reinvent so many of our customer experiences and processes, again, driving tens of billions of dollars over the next several years. He also talked about AWS growth and cost optimization, he said, continues to attenuate and uh, slow down. He said larger new deals are accelerating, though. He talked about agreements with BMW, NVIDIA, and says that the pipeline is strong when it comes to AWS growth, which is what investors want to hear. And you can see shares up more than 6% here after hours, Mel. Back to you. All right. Kate, thank you. Kate Rooney, um, you had mentioned NVIDIA, and so that's exactly what they're talking about. They're talking about building mm-hmm. up the infrastructure for AI, and here we are, the beneficiary. Get to this virtuous circle, and then some point, Dan, I know. It's all going to stop. Right at some point, is that what you <laughs> Yes. Yes. Maybe. Coming up, <laughs> we're digging in on some golden gains for the miners. Pan Am, Newmont, Agnico, Eagle, and Barrick, all profit mining today. We'll go behind the shine right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Gold miners melting up with the GDX gaining almost 4% for its best day since December 13th. The group outshining the underlying commodity, with just, which just eked out a gain in the wake of the Fed's decision to hold rates steady. So is this move in the miners signaling some sort of, I don't know, flight to safety, Tim? I think it is. I think gold is moving higher. I, I, I say gold is the best 20-year chart you're going to find. Maybe people aren't looking for 20-year charts, but uh, it tells me it's going higher, and it's all related to the things that we talk about when we do macro on this show, especially now when we're talking about U.S. Treasury dynamics. Um, gold miners have really underperformed, and, and historically, you had a beta of almost 3 to 1 to the underlying. You have not had that. In fact, since gold rallies 21% from uh, you know, mid-November of 22 to the present, gold miners are up also 21%. I think the miners are, are absolutely ready to move. You want them. Is there a miner in clam? <laughs> Pardon me? In your acronym. Yes, yes there is. There it's, is yeah. We've moved from clam to clam. That would be Agnico Eagle mm-hmm. Mines. Nice. Thank 3%. you. Nice. And I do, listen, Tim's right. When gold makes a new all-time high, which it will, the miners will follow in a major way. Up next, final trades. <laughs> at the big tech after hours movers. We have uh, Meta still holding on to the massive gains of 4% right now. Amazon up by 6.5, 6.7. And Apple's down by 3.4%. After on the conference call, they indicated to analysts that maybe expectations are a little bit too high uh, for this March quarter. All right, let's get to the final trade. We head into a big session tomorrow with Jobs. Tim? Big moves in miners everywhere, including uranium. But gold miners, GFI, I think, is one of the best of the breed, GFI. Karen? Yes, with all this QQQ stuff going nuts, IWM. I like it here. Dan. The P in, in your bicep trade, Peloton. PayPal. No, it's PayPal. Oh, no. Well, Peloton. <laughs> Peloton is in Carter's trade. Guy. Uh, ExxonMobil reports in the morning. I think you buy it after earnings, Milms. All right. Thank you for watching Fast Money. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Mad Money starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries 
series warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit CNBC.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.